Welcome, Comforted Home listeners. This is the Barking Truth, presented to you by Comfort at Home Pet Services. This podcast will reveal the barking truth about what is actually happening in the pet industry so that you can gain knowledge and education to keep our pets safe, healthy, and well. I will be your host, Jennifer Seibel, Certified Professional Pet Sitter, Dog Bite Prevention Educator, Fear Free Certified, Pet First Aid and CPR Trained, and Owner of Comfort at Home Pet Services. I hope you enjoy. Welcome. This week's podcast, we're going to talk about the life of a pet sitter or a pet care specialist. A lot of times when people find out what I do for a living and that I'm a pet sitter, I'm a dog walker, I'm a dog trainer, they say to me, oh my God, you have the best job. It must be so fun to play with cats and dogs all day. It's absolutely the farthest of anything that an actual professional does. Um, We're taking care of the pets. We're checking to make sure of illnesses. We're taking care of the house. The last thing we're doing is actually playing and getting time with the pets to cuddle and love on them. We're exercising them. We're doing mental stimulation with them. We're making sure that everything is copacetic and that the pets are well cared for. So to talk about a little bit about the life of a pet sitter and talk about some of the stories. A lot of my colleagues uh, laugh at me and say, oh my God, Jen, you're the only one who deals with this kind of stuff because we have to be prepared. We have to know what is going on with these pets. And sometimes, yeah, I am one of the ones who has to deal with some of the crazy situations and crazy stories that end up happening. So let's talk about always being prepared. Sometimes I always go into situations and go into my job as worst case scenario. So I always talk to my clients and talk about what what would happen if they lost power. We had a client once who um, had us entering in through their garage door. They had a key inside the garage door where we can enter into the house because the house was locked from the garage. They didn't have a real key for the outside doors. They only had this inside door key. So we ended up showing up one day, and it was just after a bad thunderstorm. It was horrific when we had to contact the client to let them know that, guess what? A tree in their backyard actually fell on their car. It fell on their car. got struck by lightning, fell on their car. When it smashed their car and the tree landed on their car, it also took out the power lines, which meant we had no access to the house because the garage door was not working. Uh, We would type in our code, the door would go up and automatically close because it caused a short in their garage door. So what we had to do is we had to contact a garage company to come and fix it. We had to call Duquesne Light to come and take care of the power outage and the wires being down so that we can get in. Um, Thank God at this house, it was a cat who was okay with us not being there exactly on time and having to get repairs done to the house. Those are different things that you need to worry about is If power lines go down, how are you getting into the house? Always make sure you have a key. Uh, We've been at clients' houses where their water pipes have bursted. 
uh, we were taking care of a couple of boxers who their main place uh, for them to run around and be be caged in and put in their kennel was out on the uh, patio. And it was a sun porch patio. It was enclosed, all of this. Well, we ended up walking in to find there was water all over the floor. Came to find out that it was winter time, their pipes did freeze. And it ended up flooding the area where the dogs were in. Thank God it, we caught it. Uh, we're doing several visits at the house. We caught it in plenty of time that we can turn off the main water to the house to keep the dog's area from flooding. But it was still a mess that we had to clean up, that we had to get the water out of the area, turn off the water, and then we had to go and buy water jugs to make sure that the dogs had fresh water instead of water all through their kennel area. Bad weather is something you need to prepare for and be ready for. Electric fences. A lot of people have electric fences uh, and they have the collars for their pets. But a lot of them don't realize and understand that in frigid temperatures and icy temperatures and cold temperatures, that's underground. That stuff freezes. So your collars are not working when the ground is frozen and your dog is not going to be able to be kept in their yards. We need to worry about road conditions, and we still need to get to the pets, even if there's a state of emergency, there's ice on the road. We still have pets that we need to get to. There was another story with garage doors. Uh, it was the middle of winter. These owners did not have a key to their home. They always entered in through the garage. They had their garage door opener. They had the code to their garage. They never used a key. Didn't even have a key to their house. I was there during frigid temperatures during the winter time. I walked in, opened the garage, not a problem. When I was putting down the garage door to get in and take care of the pets, I noticed that the garage door did a little bit of a slam. It, it's an old door. I didn't think much of it until I was done taking care of the dogs and I went to leave and I'm pressing the button and nothing was working. Next thing I noticed is that their chain to pull open the door and close the door froze and it broke and we had no way to get out of the house get into the house or anything so it was we had to call a garage door person to come and fix the chain i had to call a locksmith to come and give me a key to the house so that i can lock up the house properly to make sure the pets were safe and taken care of so always make sure that you have a key a lot of people say, oh, well, you don't need a key. I always come in this way. What if the power goes out? What if a power line goes down and you can't get in through the garage? What if the chain breaks, freezes, breaks, and you can't get to the animals? The animals are my first priority when I'm dealing with the job that I'm dealing with. Um, there's been times that I've dealt with, you know, pets that are having medical issues I had a client once who was out of town, and her husband was home, but the cat had a vet appointment. It had a follow-up vet appointment for an allergy that the cat was dealing with and hives that the cat was having. Um, the owner felt more comfortable with me taking the cat because, you know, sometimes, you know, she didn't feel that her husband would ask the right questions where she knew that I would. So I show up at the house. Uh, the husband's there. He had the kennel out, you know, the crate out for me to get the cat. I was able to walk in the house, grab the cat, put it in his kennel, and get ready to take it. She also, this client also had an inside-outside cat that it liked to be outside. It would come inside. It had access in and out. 
Well, as I'm taking one cat and putting it in my car, the outside inside cat came up and he's meowing at me. He's purring. Everything's looking good. But I look down and I see that his paw's bloody. He somehow ripped out a back nail. So I had to scoop him up, grab another carrier and take him for the same appointment. The owner was so happy, and she was like, oh, my gosh, my husband didn't even know this. And the husband was standing right there, you know, saying goodbye to me. And this cat comes up, bloody paw. We had to take that, get that taken care of. The cat ended up being on antibiotics because of a pulled-out nail and just needed it cleaned up. So there's all kinds of situations, and you have to be prepared for these type of situations. Some situations we deal with in the life as a pet sitter some of these situations can be a little scary. I was contacted by a client who I was doing overnights for. Everything was good. I contacted her several times throughout the day, letting her know how the pets were doing. When used to say, I was not aware that she had cameras put into the home just to watch the pets, see what's going on. Normally, that's not a problem. I feel like I'm being watched anytime, anywhere. I'm not doing anything wrong. I don't mind cameras being around. But where I do mind is when they're in the bedroom and I'm doing overnights at your house. So this client ended up calling me second day into it. And uh, she mentioned to me, asked how the dogs were doing, how everybody was doing. I said, they're doing great. Everything's good. She decided to mention to me that, oh, I see that the dog slept with you last night. I logged into our security cameras. At 2 a.m., there's one over the bed in the bedroom we have you sleeping in, and I watched the dog sleeping with you. I'm, like, appalled. I don't know what I do in my sleep. I mean, like, most of us don't know what we do in our sleep. I'm glad the dogs were, you know, with me and all this was going on. But to log in and watch me sleep with your animals, to me, is a little scary. It's a little creepy. So, unfortunately, this is a client I did have to say, like, I'm, I can't do any more visits. Please come home. I feel that it was a violation of my privacy and what I'm doing. For a client to have cameras in a bathroom or a bedroom that you can be in. If it's in common areas, I have no problem with it. But when you know I could be possibly changing in that area or sleeping or going to the restroom, those are places that it's violating me and that's a situation that we have to take care of. So unfortunately, this client was not happy that I, I kind of terminated her as a client and told her how disrespectful I felt that it was. It was against our policies. Uh, this client decided to come after me, uh, saying that I was neglecting her pets, all kinds of things. Um, she's had several pet sitters throughout the days who have had the same issues with her. She's come back to me several times asking me to take care of her pets because I'm the one who best took care of her pets. But I don't deserve, and as a pet sitter, it's kind of scary, and you don't deserve to be watched when you're sleeping, and especially when you're doing something at a client's house. It also becomes scary because a lot of the times, we are at a client's house, and we meet our clients in the beginning, and sometimes we don't see the, we don't see the owners a lot of the time. Uh, we see the pets. We see the pets more than the owners. So sometimes it's hard, and especially with the COVID time, when we see people with masks. I don't know if this is really the owner. All I'm seeing is some eyeballs and a mask. 
So I'm just praying and hoping that it's not, you know, a serial killer. We had another situation where one of my pet sitters showed up for a client visit and they had two cats. My pet sitter showed up and she ended up calling me. The screen door was closed. Their suitcases at the front door and the front door was open. She heard voices that seemed like they were coming from the basement. She's ringing the doorbell. She's knocking on the door. She's yelling. She could hear some whispers that seemed like it was coming from the basement. She called me in a total panic. So I'm trying to call the the owners on the phone. I'm calling the house phone, hoping that somebody will answer. Nobody's answering. So we're looking. She's checking around the house. My pet sitters, as well as myself, are are prepared with mace in case of a stray pet coming up or we have an incident with an owner or somebody, you know, being suspicious, anything like that. So we do have, you know, at least mace on us. My pet sitter gently kept me on the phone, went around the house to make sure that there was no broken glass. She's looking in the house for the pet. She's knocking. She's opened the door. She's yelling. Nobody's responding, but she's hearing voices. So it was a very scary situation for us. We were getting ready to call the cops when, because you see luggage at the front door. Like what happened were these people getting ready to leave and somebody showed up and they're murdering them in the basement. I mean, things that can go through your head when you're in a situation like this and how your mind can just go, you just never know what's happening and what's going on. So we feared for the worst that they were trying to leave. Somebody broke into their house, was robbing them, possibly chopping them up, putting them in garbage bags in their basement or something. Finally, I was able to get a hold of them through their cell phone. Their flights ended up changing and they forgot to cancel our appointment. So they came out, found my pet sitter in the car, trembling, all upset, all worked up, invited her in for, you know, a little bit of tea and to kind of talk to her and calm her down. But then again, we're both like talking to each other and she kept me on the phone the whole time. Um, my client apologized, you know, profusely that they were so sorry they didn't cancel the appointment, that they were leaving a little bit later and they didn't mean to scare us. But then again, we haven't seen these clients for several years. So we're, when we showed up the next day for the actual appointment that nobody was going to be there, we were kind of wondering like, oh my gosh, was this really them? Is this them or are we going to walk into the basement and find them chopped up in their suitcases? Are we going to find them chopped up in garbage bags? So there can be a lot of scary things that go on when you're dealing with the life of a pet sitter. And unexpected people at the house. I ask all my clients to let me know who has access to your house. When are cleaning people coming? When are when is this person coming? Do you have anybody who's going to be dropping by? We uh, again, we carry mace on us. There's been several times that I've walked into a house. I'm talking to the dog. I'm getting them ready. I'm talking to the cat, and all of a sudden, a cleaning person or a neighbor or somebody comes around the corner. Scares the living daylights out of me. I swear I've gotten more gray hairs from this than anything. My life expectancy has diminished because of people jumping out and saying hi to me. And they know who I am and I have no clue who the heck they are. 
Um, but those are things that can happen. So I make sure that I tell people because it's also a liability for a professional that if you have a cleaning person, you have a neighbor checking in on your pets, you have a friend, a family member, it is a liability for us. Because if something happens to that animal, if something happens to property in the house, if you have more than just your pet sitter in that house, it's a liability for us. So I kind of ask people, like, I need somebody to communicate with me. I need to know if I'm walking into a house and I'm about to scare the cleaning person and they're going to beat me with a broom or if I'm about to mace your child because they're home from school. Loose dogs. Loose dogs is a big thing that we have to deal with in the pet, pet industry. I, I was walking. We have a client who has three dogs. We walk them all separately. Uh, two of the bigger dogs, they're Weimariners, uh, they are, you know, semi-aggressive. So they don't like seeing other people. They like to bark. They like to lunge. And one of them does have some bite incidents that somebody snuck up, scared them. They, they've bitten. They haven't caused major damage, but they have bitten before. So we're very cautious on everything we do, and we're on high alert every time we're walking them. So I'm walking the dog. And he's my first one that I'm taking out. I saw the other two I have to get out. And I'm walking him back to the house. I'm, I'm not even, I'm three doors down from the house. And all of a sudden, I notice that the neighbor right next door to my clients, that dog has jumped the fence and is now out. It's running back and across the street, trying not to get hit by a car. People are slowing down. This dog is back across the street, back into its house. It's all over the place. What am I what am I going to do? The dog that I'm with is highly aggressive, especially when it comes to other dogs. So here I am like I need to keep my clients safe. I'm getting paid to make sure that I'm keeping this animal safe. I'm being paid to make sure that I'm exercising this animal. All of a sudden I see a loose dog out on the street. I know if my dog sees it, my dog's going to be ballistic. So just by chance, I'm on a I'm on a street corner. I feel like a prostitute. I'm on the street corner. There's a big tree, probably an oak tree. I don't know. I'm not I'm not good with plants or anything. And all my clients can tell you that I can keep your pets alive. Plants, maybe not. Um, but I'm behind a tree. So I'm hiding the dog and we're behind a tree because as long as he doesn't see it, he's not going to react. I'm giving him treats. I have no alternative but to call 911. So I call 911. Two police officers show up. I'm going out of my mind because I'm, I'm standing on a street corner. I can't move. I can't go anywhere. Even if I backtrack, this dog is running back and forth, and it's literally right next door to my clients. So even if I backtrack, I can't get my dog to the house without this dog possibly approaching or my dog going crazy and ballistic. So I call 911. Two officers show up. They block the entire street. Both of their police cars, they block the street. They have their sirens on. They're trying to catch the dog. I let them know that my dog isn't greatly friendly. So they they semi-approach me, keeping a distance, and they asked, like, they asked some questions. I said that I had a bag of treats, and I had an extra leash with me, because as a professional, you carry this type of stuff with you. So I threw the officer my bag of treats to try to lure this dog. I gave them one of my extra leashes to try to catch this dog. Oh, this dog was evading police. It's running, it's going into its yard right when they think they've got it cornered. Dog's running off, it's back and forth. 
I'm going nuts because I'm like, oh my gosh, if I can be out here, maybe I can help, but I can't because I'm trying to keep my dog calm and we're just standing behind a tree like a bunch of like goofballs. So finally, one of the officers, after about 20 minutes of them trying to catch this dog and realizing they cannot catch this dog, the one woman officer comes back to me and she's like, look, I don't want to get too close. I understand your dog is not greatly friendly. She's like, but I want to get you to your house. She's like, I want to get you to safety. She's like, if I open, if I back up my car and I open the door, can you get you and your dog in the back of the car? I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Yes, just get me home. Let me try to help you catch this dog. Let's see what's going on. So this officer pulls back her her car, her cruiser, and she opens the door and she stepped the back, she stepped away. So if you've never been in the back of a police car, it's an experience. Um, the back of the police cars are plastic seats, which, of course, the dog's like slipping and sliding around. So, you know, this dog is a little elderly. I'm a little concerned. He's slipping and sliding all over the place. I get him in the back of the car. I get in the back of the car. She closes us in. Well, of course, in the back of a police car, you're kind of trapped. You're kind of stuck. So she asked me where we're going. We're three houses up. So she drives me up, takes me into the driveway, backs in. And, of course, now the dog that the other officer is trying to keep away has now come into my client's yard. And it's in the front yard. So now they're trying to chase this dog out so that I can get out of the car, out of the police car, and run my dog into the house. So I'm sitting there in the back of the car, and I'm like, let me out. My dog's safe. Let, let me keep my dog locked in the back of a police car so he's safe and this other dog's safe. Let me out. I can try to help you catch this. It was, it was a crazy, crazy situation. Um, and finally, they were able to chase the dog back into its yard where she had the opportunity and the officer hurried up, opened the door and was like, run. So I ran, get my dog into the house. I'm huffing, I'm puffing. I'm like, oh, my God, I just rode home in a police car with one of my client's dogs. But it's what I needed to do to keep my pet safe. So I walk back out. I'm trying to help catch this dog. The officers did realize that this dog has gotten and jumped the fence before and has gotten loose. So they knew they had the information for the owner at their precinct. So they wanted to go and do that um, and contact the owner to let them know that the dog was loose. They contacted the uh, animal control to come out. I tried to catch the dog. I couldn't. Um, the dog just kept evading us, running all over the place. So <laughs> I ended up having to call my client. And let them know that, hey, I can't get the other two dogs out. There's a loose dog right next to the house. I don't trust anything. I'm letting the dogs out on the deck to go to the bathroom and at least getting them some air. But now I've wasted two hours of my day <laughs> going home in a police car with one of my client's dogs. And it was so funny because when I contacted my client to let her know, she just laughed and, you know, said to me, of any dog I can be in the back of a police car, it would be that one. And I wish I could have got a picture of us in the back of the police car. But what's more funny is that for a month after this whole incident, that same woman officer was checking the neighborhood and driving around the neighborhood around the time I'm walking those dogs. And every day for a month, she would wave at me and just make sure that I was safe because 
yeah, it's it's a scary situation. Um, and you have to keep your clients safe. And sometimes you have to do what you have to do. And if that means riding in a police car with your client's dog to keep them safe, then that's kind of what you have to do. Sometimes you have to deal with medical issues with pets. Uh, we had a pet once who was just recently diagnosed with having seizures. It was diagnosed. Um, it was on medication for the seizures. And my client's boyfriend, her, his daughter was getting married. They were in Hawaii. And we were taking care of the daughter's, the boyfriend's daughter's dogs as well. Um, so we were taking care of both households of dogs for them to go and get married. Uh, one of her dogs was recently diagnosed with seizures and having, you know, heart issues as well as having seizures. The dog ended up going into seizures. Um, it would come out and then it went right back into another one. Uh, my pet sitter ended up contacting me. I just happened to be a block away. I rushed over there. By the time I got there, uh, the second I got there, the dog came out of a seizure and fell to the ground and went completely limp and labor breathing. So we contacted the vet. I started CPR and we rushed directly. My my pet sitter was in the passenger seat. I rushed, got the dog to the vet. She's giving CPR the whole time. Unfortunately, the dog ended up passing before we got to the vet's office. And it was a difficult situation for us. We didn't expect this to happen on, first off, our watch and during the time that it did. Because the time that it did was honestly the time that the bride and groom were to be going down the aisle. So it was a hard situation. And I sit here to this day that I, me as a pet parent would want to know when something happened with my pet. The vet consoled me. Uh, we sat there and we held the dog. She, she just didn't make it. We consoled her. Uh, the vet said, like, they'll call the owners. I had to make the hard decision and say, don't, don't. If something were to happen to my pets, yeah, I would want to know. But the repercussions of calling this client of mine to let her know, I'd be ruining so much. She's at a wedding. They're walking down the aisle. For me to upset my client to let her know that her pet just passed, the wedding's now no longer on the kids. It's now on why is she upset, what is going on. So we had to make the difficult decision with the vet as well as my attorney to make the decision that let's wait until the next morning and call her and let her know. And when we made that call that morning, um, she was still sleeping. It was her boyfriend that answered the phone and he said, let me guess, something happened to the dog. And I, I said, yes. And he said, let me call you back. Let me get her up and we'll call you back. And I had to break the news over the phone that, unfortunately, I did not feel it was right to ruin the wedding, ruin their good time, their celebration, to let them know that their dog did throw a blood clot and ended up passing away due to the severe seizures this dog was having. So there's been other sad incidents that we've had to deal with as being a professional pet sitter. I walked into a house. Um, it was a couple and the one spouse was out in Alaska. She had to travel for business. She was out in Alaska. I was there taking care of the two dogs um, because the other person 
had a business. They were running a restaurant. They were gone long hours. I was coming in midday just to get the dogs out and get them taken care of. I showed up um, and I walked in. The one dog was just going crazy. And it was a puppy. It was a German Shepherd puppy. It was kind of going a little ballistic and a little crazy, crazier than normal. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? I'm calling for the other dog. Nothing's happening. Well, sometimes this dog could get itself, you know, closed into a room or whatnot. I, I ended up finding that the dog had passed. It was, it, was, it was deceased on the floor in one of the bedrooms. Cold to the touch, very stiff. I'm not going to go into details about it, but the dog had passed. I sat there. I held the dog. The other younger dog was, was crying with me, you know, all over me, trying to, you know, wake this dog up. It was, it, it was a very hard situation. So for my client's sake, I had to clean up the area, wrap the dog up, give it some respect. And I had to get the other dog out on a walk to get it out of the situation that its sibling dog had passed. And I had to call my client and sit down. This is what happened. And the second I called her and I said, we have a, are, are you sitting down? And the first thing that came out of her mind, she, she said, first thing that came out of her mouth, she said, let me guess, something happened, it was this dog. And I had to explain to her. And I stayed on the phone with her. With her. She called me back real quick. Uh, she did call a friend to come and meet her at the house and meet me at the house to help get the body taken care of um, so that they can get it to the vet the next day for cremation. Um, the friend met me at the house first. I talked with her, kept her calm on the phone so that she was able to get home safe to help deal with the situation. Th these are just things that, you know, come into mind when you're dealing with being a professional, things that you're going to have to deal with. I've dealt with people who don't always let me know when they come home. They might come home early or they scheduled something to give themselves some time. I remember one time I uh, came into a house that I was scheduled to be at. And they had cats at the house. And that morning I walked in and I go to press in my code for the alarm. The, as soon as I opened the door, the alarm started going off. What the hell? Why is the alarm going off? I get to the panel. I start <laughs> putting in the code. Here comes the owner down. He's in his boxers. He's in his underwear. He comes flying down, almost falls down the steps and wondering what's going on, why his alarm's going off. And they look at me and I'm like, hi, I'm here to take care of the cats and feed them and do this. They totally came home early and forgot to cancel our appointment. So I feel bad because I woke them up. Their alarm's going off. So now all the cats are scattered. They're gone. It, it was just a crazy situation. The same client uh, learned a previous lesson from us because they had us set in. When I deal with clients who have alarm systems, I always ask for my own code. Just in case they decide they don't like us, they don't want to use our service anymore, they don't have to remember their own code and get a new code for themselves. If they just give me my own code, then they know when I'm coming and going. They know what I'm doing, how long I've been at their house. Everything's tracked through my code. If they decide they don't like me, they can disable my account and my code. Well, this client had me set up as temporary. And just by chance, they were heading out and going on a cruise. They forgot to activate what was considered my temporary account. Instead of just having me as an account, they put me in as temporary. 
Well, upon boarding the cruise, and because they left in such a hurry that morning, they forgot to activate me. So when I walk in, I'm typing in our code. My code's not working. It's not turning off the alarm. The alarm goes off. The security company calls the house. I answer the phone. I'm giving them my password. My password's not working. They're like, we don't have recognition of this. They dispatch the police. The police show up. They're asking for our credentials and what's going on. I'm now trying. My, my clients are about to go on a cruise. They're going to be out of service area. Just by chance, they were actually getting on the boat. And I was able to get in contact with them. And they said, oops, we forgot. So they had to call the security company, let them know to activate my account. I was able to give my password and thank God we were not arrested because officers were there and thinking we were breaking into the home. So these are different things you need to talk to your clients about and you need to kind of think about. Um, I've walked into houses where we had a killer cat. This cat was, it literally, I, I'm, I'm going to say it, it, it had its wires crossed. There were screws loose. The hamster up there, it was, it was dead. This cat hated anybody. When I went to first meet them, the cat acted, you know, pretty friendly, kind of coming around and whatnot. And it was funny because when I'm sitting there meeting, I'm like, oh, this cat's okay. And my clients, all of a sudden, they're like, get up and move. And the second she said that, I'm like, confused. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? I get up, that cat came right at me trying to attack me. So they said the cat's just, it's just not right. So they've had pet sitters in the past where the cat has literally tried to attack them, has not let them in the house, and can I handle it? Okay, well, let me, let me figure out if I can make a relationship with your cat. So... I have videos of it, and when I would walk, I would go in through, we would have to go in through the front door, and as soon as I could feed the cat's wet food, he liked getting his wet food. He, he loved having it, but there are litter boxes upstairs. I can go and scoop them, but there are litter boxes in the basement. Once I got the litter boxes in the basement, I have to leave through the basement door. If not, I try to come back up the steps. This cat wanted me dead. It wanted to kill us, and the owners made me aware of this, all, all of that. So. Could never touch the cat, could never play with him, anything. But I would walk in to the house, I would unlock the door, and that cat would be right at the damn door. And he's hissing, he's growling, he's swatting at me. But as long as I didn't move quickly, if I just stood there and was like talking to him and being like, okay, come on, let's go, I would have to take a whole detour to go and get him his food and put the food down for him and the other cats. And it was just a crazy situation, but it came to the point that every time I showed up at that house, this cat would be right at the door. He, he's like, you're coming into my house. You're coming into my territory. I don't trust you. I don't know you. He wanted you dead. He really, like, he would be having a fit, and I would just walk in very calm. I would stand there right at the doorway. I'd close the screen door. I would stand there, and I would, I would just let him have his fit. And then all of a sudden he would walk away and I can get past and I can go and get things taken care of. But it got to be that the situation that I, I had to borrow my husband's hockey shins. My husband used to play hockey. I would borrow his hockey shins just so this cat didn't mess me up when it's swatting at me when I'm coming in the house. He wanted to let me know that he was in charge of that house. I was not going to be in charge. So there's different situations that you you have to deal with. Um.
I had a client that contacted me once that they they had some inside cats, but they also fed some feral outside cats. One of the cats who never leaves the property, he's never left the property, never leaves the property. Um, but he's a very scaredy cat. We would feed him outside. We'd keep an eye on him. We'd make sure he'd come around. But we they waived liability for us because we can't help when you have a cat, you know, outside. So all of a sudden, my client contacted me that they haven't seen the cat in a few days. He hasn't been around. Nothing's kind of happened. Can I help? <clears throat> so I gave them tips on how to get a cat to come back around, what you need to do. I helped them, you know, develop flyers, put it all through the neighborhood. If anybody's seen this cat, that they're looking for it, it's unusual for him to ever leave the property. So I ended up talking to them, and they were so worried about this cat, which I don't blame them. I was worried. And we came to find out that one of the neighbors, this was a very scaredy cat, one of the neighbors was getting mulch put into their yard. And just by chance, against their back gate is where the landscaping company dumped the mulch. Apparently, after 10 days, the cat showed back up at the house. My client contacted me in hysterics. The cat looked a little thinner. He was dirty. He smelled. I sent them to the, a vet. I sent them to a groomer's to find out what's going on. The groomer's contacted me to let me know. What had happened was the loud noise from the truck, the cat ended up going into a gopher hole and to hide from the noises of the loud truck. Just by chance, that truck let off all the mulch, which filled the gopher hole. The cat was buried alive. It was horrific. We, the groomer, had me come down. They're pulling splinters out of the cat's nose. He smelled. This poor cat was buried alive, could not get back out of this hole that all this mulch was dumped into. And, and to be there for my clients, to let them know, and the cat then, after that whole incident, um, and ended up getting an inside cat then, um, and they found room for it and made sure that he came he came inside. They, they weren't going to go through that again. Um, they let him be outside because that was what he was used to, and that's what he liked. After a scary situation like that, he became an inside cat. Um, he still hid from me a lot when I went to take care of them, but I knew where he was. I could find him in the house, make sure that he was okay. So these are just some of the scary and sad stories that you might be dealing with as being in the life of a pet sitter. Sometimes some of these stories aren't just scary, they're kind of sad. Uh, I remember once that I, I was taking care of two cats at a client's house. Uh, one was a younger, more active cat. The other one was a little elderly, and their mother lived with them. She was an 85-year-old woman, and she loved the cat. She was staying there while they went on vacation. The mother was going to be at the house. <clears throat> the mother just could not. She was on you know, blood thinners. She was on medications. She couldn't give the elderly cat medication. So that's why we were going in to scoop the litter, make sure they were eating, and to give the elderly cat medication that was on. So I show up, and the elderly mother ended up letting us know that the cat has been hiding all day, which is very unusual for this elderly cat to be hiding all day. Usually it's sat with, you know, the mother, 
getting cuddled, getting loved on all day. So she told me that the cat's been hiding all day. It didn't come out to eat this morning. Good luck on me giving it the med. So we're, I'm searching this house. I'm searching. I'm searching. I can't find this cat anywhere. I, I mean, I'm looking everywhere. I cannot find this cat. So I said, okay, let me let the cat calm down. Let me put out some special food. Let me put out some treats to see if, if the cat will come out. So within an hour, the the mother called me and she says, you know, she's out, she's eating. She's like, I'm going to close some of the doors in the house so that you can come and get the cat and give it its medication. Great. Ran back. I opened up this cat's mouth to give it its medication because it didn't take it in food. It didn't take it in a pill pocket, anything. Kind of had to throw this med down the cat's throat, but the cat was, cat was okay with it. As soon as I opened up that cat and I looked at its gums. Its gums were completely white and pale. And me, I know what that means because I've dealt with a dog who's had anemia problems. Seeing gums on an animal that were that white, I knew that cat was anemic and I knew it was not doing well at all. So I ended up having to talk to the mother and I said, look, I, we need to go to the vet. We need to go now. This cat is in extreme distress. And I don't want to, I don't want to worry, you know, an elderly woman, have her worried about that. She's upset because something happened and, you know, I'm having to take the cat to the vet when her kids are out of town and she's worried. She's thinking she did something wrong. So I get her in the car. Uh, I get the cat in the carrier. I have her holding it. We're talking, we're going down. Um, I ended up having to call the clients and let them know that I'm taking the cat to the vet. And when we walked into the vet's office, uh, I told them, and, and the vet kind of, you know, oh, no, you're probably misseeing things. The cat's probably dehydrated, this and that. And we're in the waiting room. We're waiting. They're taking us as an emergency appointment. And the vet tech was very rude with me at the time. They, I don't know what I'm talking about, this and that. And I'm like, I know what's happening with this cat. Like, it's anemic. It doesn't have any red blood cells. This cat's, like, on death's bed right now. So the tech came out with her attitude and she came over and she's like, okay, let me just look. As soon as she opened up that cat's mouth, she's like, oh my God. She goes, let me get a doctor. Let me get you into a room ASAP. So now the mother's a little concerned. I'm still on the phone with, you know, the, the kids who are now in, in Florida and they're trying to have a little bit of vacation. And we ran a simple PCV test on the cat to find out that Definitely, it did not have blood flow. It would need a blood transfusion. The cat was dying. And I had to sit there, FaceTime the clients, and hold the elderly mother and and let this pet pass in peace. And it's a hard decision that you have to make and you have to deal with. And they they already knew because it was an elderly cat. The clients had wishes that they wanted and who was going to do the cremation of the pet and all of this. And I had to take the cat back to the house. We had to wait for them to show up. And I couldn't leave the elderly mother there, you know, with the animal to deal with a stranger coming into the house and taking the remains and doing everything like that. So I was there holding her. I'm, I'm still talking to the owners, letting them know that we sat there and, and that cat was loved when it crossed over the bridge. But these are different things that are sad, but sometimes you have to you have to deal with as being a professional pet sitter and, and the life of a pet sitter. 
I had another client who contacted me. She loved her dog. She did everything. The dog was getting older. It was having medical problems. And I got a call, um, you know, later in the evening, I got a call from her, and she's in hysterics. Her dog is not doing good. She's at the vet, and they're, they're suggesting the pet be put down. And she's like, my family won't understand what my dog means to me. I need somebody to be here. Can you be here? And I dropped everything and I ran out there. The vet waited until I was able to get there to comfort both of them, say my goodbyes and be there for my owner and the pet owner to comfort them while we let this pet pass. And it's hard when you sometimes people don't understand the relationships we have with our pets and that she didn't feel comfortable Oh, it's just a dog. My family feels like it's just a dog. It's just a pet. It's just this. And and she needed me because she knew what I knew what the relationship was. And I had a relationship with that pet. Um, I've had other pets who the owners have let me know that their pet is not doing well. They've got an in-home euthanasia done. And they've asked me to be there because they know that that pet means as much to me as it does to them. And I'm thankful for those times that I can sit there and be with you and your pet because that pet has taken a part of my heart. It's taken a part of my soul. I've had incidents where clients have actually passed. I had a client who, she just went on a trip, <laughs> a trip of a lifetime. She loved it. She, I was doing it overnights for her cat. She actually had 10 cats. Um, I was doing overnights for her. She was contacting me in the middle of the night uh, to check on the cats. And I'm sending her videos. I'm giving her updates. And she came home. And she notified me. She got home. Everything went great with her trip. And she's telling me all about her trip. And I thought everything was good until a week later when her sister ended up calling me to let me know that she was in such a depressive, depressive state that she ended up committing suicide in her house and the cats were not being taken care of because it was three days before they noticed that she had passed away. So I had to help the sister rehome 10 cats and to find out and be so touched by the sister letting me know that when she was in the house and going through stuff that my client brought me back souvenirs from her trip. And it was labeled for me and wanted me to have those souvenirs to remember her sister by and that they knew I would do good by these cats. We have clients at times that are going through medical issues. We've had clients who in this COVID who have been on ventilators and we're supporting their family at home. We're supporting their dogs. We're getting their animals out. We're taking care of the pets. We're doing what we can. We've had clients, cancer runs rapid throughout the, throughout the entire world. We've been there with clients who are so, so weak and so tired from radiation or chemotherapy that we're there helping them rinse out their vomit buckets. We're there holding their hands. We're making sure their pets are taken care of because they're too sick and they're too weak to help with any of that. And, and we're there holding their hand because they, they might not have somebody else. I had an owner who, she doesn't have any family around town. Um, she's the only one. She had a dog and cats. We usually took care of the cats because the dog traveled with her. Um, 
my clients have an emergency card with them that they can keep on them that says, in case I'm hospitalized or I'm an emergency, I have pets at home, please contact Jen with Comfort at Home Pet Services. Those cards have come in handy. I had a client who was walking across the street to get her mail. It is normally a busy street, but never a problem. I ended up getting a call from a nurse at the hospital that apparently my client was going to get the mail and a car hit her, flung her down the street. She was unconscious when the ambulance came and when they were going through her belongings 24 hours later to try to find family and stuff after they did surgeries on her, all of this, and, and was trying to get her stabilized, they found my card. I had to rush to the house, drop everything, rush to the house because it's been 24 hours. There's a dog in the house. There's the cats. Um, we had to make sure the cats were taken care of. The dog had some messes in the house, which we cleaned up. Um, the dog was used to being in a kennel situation, so we were able to contact the kennel. And the kennel was more than willing to work with us. We paid for it. My client paid me back. We worked with the kennel to get the dog taken care of. We were at the house taking care of the cats. We cleaned up the facility. We made sure everybody was taken care of. And unfortunately, because she had no family around and she was severely injured, my client did have to go through rehab. Because of the ambulance and things that happened, she contacted me when she came to, was very thankful that I was there. And I was taking care of the animals, but they cut off her clothes. So unfortunately, part of the life of a pet sitter, I had to go through her, her personal belongings and get clothes for her, get intimates for her to take to the rehab facility, to take to the hospital and drop off so she had something to wear besides a hospital gown for the month that she was in for rehab. Um, I've had a client who was battling cancer. She was doing great. I mean, we knew we did overnights at her house. She, she battled cancer once already. She ended up having um, pancreatic cancer. She was battling that. She was doing good. Well, all of a sudden, uh, she ended up in the hospital with pneumonia. She contacted us and said she needed us to take care of the pets and do overnights. Great. We went and was doing it. We were keeping in touch with her. Next thing we know, her pneumonia got way worse. She, her power of attorney was her cousin. She, uh, she never had anything good to say about this guy. Never had anything good to say about her cousin. She couldn't stand him. She didn't want him to have, you know, anything at the house. But it's the only family she had, this and that. The cousin ended up calling us. And he says, look, the doctor just came in. He said, it's a matter of time. She's going to pass away. He's like, if you guys want to come in and say your goodbyes, please come and do it. So we, we went up, we, we sat with her, we were with her, we said our goodbyes. At about one o'clock in the morning, I got the phone call from the cousin telling me that she passed. And the second thing out of his mouth was, be at the house first thing in the morning and remove the dogs. I need to get her, her house sold. I need to get her belongings taken care of. And I, I said to him, being a professional, just because I have access to the house, and we, we were already doing overnights, so I was sleeping at the house. So I can't just remove an animal from the house because you tell me to. I need authorization. So I explained to him, like, I will return the keys. I need you to fill out paperwork saying that you want me to get remove the dogs from the property because they're considered, animals are considered property in the state of Pennsylvania. I can't just remove property from the house. It's considered theft. So he wrote up a document. He signed my documents, giving him back the keys 
said that he wanted me to remove the animals and get them adopted. It was two dogs. They were very bonded. They've been together their entire life. I ended up bringing them to my house. I fostered them for a while, and I started looking for them a home. I ended up finding them a fabulous home. Fabulous home with a young couple who would give these dogs the greatest life. It was actually a nephew of a client of mine. So I, I knew these pets were in good hands. They came over, met the, met the dogs. Dogs loved them. Everything went great. So no sooner did I relinquish control, do adoption paperwork, and have everything in writing, the cousin ended up having the police show up at my house accusing me of stealing the dogs because he came to find out that she had a trust set up in her will for monetary funds for the dogs. And now he wanted the dogs back. You already relinquished control of these animals to me. She didn't want you to have it. You have a dog who's aggressive already and has <clears throat> attacked one of these dogs. No way. No way was I going to allow that to happen. So you already relinquished control. I had to get my attorney involved and we had to go, we had to go after him because he was accusing me and we had the paperwork that he signed relinquishing control of those animals for me to readopt them. So you always have to be prepared for all kinds of situations. Um, some of you might have noticed in Pet Sitter International magazine, um, I have a story out there of one of my clients. My client, she's been a client of mine for over eight years. She contacted me um, in July this past year that she needed, she, she wasn't feeling good. She was going to the doctor. She spent all day at the doctor's getting tests run. Her doctor just contacted her and said she needs to go to the hospital ASAP or she's going to die in her sleep. She says to me, she's like, I told the doctors I'm not doing anything. I'm not leaving until my pets are taken care of. I'm like, oh my gosh, go to the hospital. Do you need me to take you there? Do you need me to call an ambulance? I'll get the animals taken care of. It was a dog and a cat. So I'll get them taken care of. So she's like, okay, they just want to run some more tests, but they're a little concerned. My, her lungs were filling with fluid. Um, so she's having issues breathing. So she went to the hospital. They were thinking it was only going to be a couple of days. The uh, She kept in touch with me. I kept in touch with her that the animals were doing good. We were doing several visits a day. Next thing I know, I get a call from the hospital Monday morning. It was Monday morning. And I get a phone call from the hospital that they were doing a CT scan on her, and she ended up having a seizure. They found that she was riddled with cancer. She had several brain tumors, and one was currently bleeding, and that she could hemorrhage at any time and pass away. So because of all the questions I ask, and because I've dealt with so much within the pet sitter life, I knew who her, I knew her, her sister's information, who lived out of town and was not close by, I knew who her power of attorney was. I contacted the power of attorney. I said, get to the hospital, get her surgery, get this handled. I've got the animals taken care of. I had to contact the sister, give the sister the information that I knew because I was the only one at this particular time <coughs> that was marked on the medical files. So, So I was the one who knew kind of what was going on, and thank God I had all the information to contact everyone else. Power of attorney went down. They did do a brain surgery on her to take care of the hemorrhaging and bleeding tumor that was coming out of her brain. 
she was paralyzed. She ended up becoming paralyzed on her entire left side. And I had to have a hard conversation with the power of attorney and the sister and say, she, she's got a, a house with a lot of steps. Even if she goes through rehab, which could be a while, there's no way she can come back to this house. There's, there's absolutely no way. We need to talk to her, get the house sold. We need to figure out, you know, are we going to get her a ranch? Are we going to get her one level house? What are we going to do? So they made the hard decisions and talked to her. We ended up having to sell the house um, because I have a lot of different clients who have different occupations. One of my clients does do real estate. I was able to reach out to her. Um, they were able to get the house sold. So now I'm selling the house. There's a cat and a dog. I can't have people walking through and letting the dog out, getting the cat out. So I have to figure out something. So I was able to, my client was, was willing to relinquish control of the animals. She signed paperwork. She relinquished them over to me. I found somebody, unfortunately, my husband's allergic to cats. I was able to find a wonderful colleague and friend of mine who was able to adopt and take on the cat. That cat is now living the best life possible. It was only a five-year-old cat. It could possibly adjust, and it has. Um, it's got a brother. They love playing. They love sunbathing together. I get constant updates. The dog, unfortunately, is 14 years old and has some medical issues. I can't adopt out a dog who, in 14 years of age and with some medical conditions, I can't very well adopt it out to a new family, have to new, learn new rules, learn a new environment, get used to new people. I've known this dog for well over eight years, half of its life. I was there when its other sibling cat was there and passed. Uh, it had a dog sibling. I was there when that dog got older and passed. I, I, that dog knew me. So I had to come home. I had to talk to my husband, and we decided to, a 14-year-old dog, at least I'm a constant. It knew me. So we brought that dog into our home, and we adopted him. My client was ecstatic. And unfortunately, my client went into hospice care. The cancer did spread. There was not much they could do for her, and they gave her very little time to live. Um, she, From the day she went into the hospital, she, she made it almost 30 days. So we ended up having to sell her house, get everything out of the house, sell it. It, it was crazy. But I adopted her dog, um, and when she went into hospice care, I was able to take the dog up to see her, for her to say her goodbyes, and him to say his goodbyes to her. And this 14-year-old dog has come into my house like he's been here his entire life. He, he's very active in my house. I've never heard this dog bark until he came into my house and my puppy started trying to play with him. He plays with her. He barks at her. I've never heard the dog bark. Eight years, I've never heard the dog bark. And now he's barking. He's playing. He's living life. Um, he went on his first beach vacation with us last year. Um, and we ended up taking some of his owner's ashes. And me and the dog went to the ocean and spread some of her ashes because that's what that was part of her wishes. And me and the dog went and did that. Um, I can't be more blessed of everything that I've had with this dog. And he's fantastic. He loves my house. He loves my husband. He loves us. And things are just going fabulous. But these are things that... As a professional, you need to think about what's going to happen. Do you have guardianship? And this owner did have guardianship. And when I called the guardian who was supposed to take custody of the animals, 
she was very honest with me. And she said, my lifestyle, I, I agreed to this several years ago. My lifestyle is not good. Can you, can you figure out something else? And I, I was able to, and my client knows about it. My client's watching down on me every day with this dog being a psycho at 14. <laughs> There's different things you have to deal with. I've had another client who her dog was having medical distress. She took it to the vet. She got all upset because just recently her husband was battling cancer. And she was at the hospital. I was taking care of the dog. She was at the hospital dealing with her husband. Her husband ended up having to have several blood transfusions because of the cancer. They were trying to do, and by the time I was, the delivery came, I went to go to the hospital, drop it off, and unfortunately, he had passed away. So my client was dealing with a lot of that. And when she came home, she noticed that her dog was, you know, just not eating. It was not doing well at all. She couldn't drive on her own. She, she had, you know, medical issues, things like that. So she contacted me, asked me to help her take the dog to the vet, which I gladly went ahead, helped pick her up, pick up the pet, take them to the vet. And during this vet visit, um, the vet ended up saying that the dog had a condition called IMHA which is the same thing my Jasmine dealt with. I'm, I'm very familiar with it. I dealt with some of the top specialists dealing with it. It can cause the pet to be anemic. It's when the body starts attacking the red blood cells. So when the vet was talking to her, they're talking about blood transfusions, anemia. She, she was reliving everything she just dealt with with her husband. And now it's happening with her pet. This this woman was beside herself, beside herself. And I'm there and I'm talking to the vet and I'm, I'm saying, well, this is an older dog. Normally, older dogs don't get the condition of IMHA. Could it be a, a, a tumor and a spleen and a splenal bleed? The vet was very uncooperative. And you're not a vet. They're, they're yelling at me, telling me I'm not a vet. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, no, I do because I, I actually had a pet that had this disease. I've dealt with other clients who have had the same disease and I've been able to help them with things that I've experienced and that I've had to deal with with my own pet having this type of disease. So the vet was very, you know, blunt with me that I'm not a vet. I don't know what I'm talking about, this and that. So they ended up telling her that she had to have her dog on medications. Well, keep in mind this woman is, you know, medically disabled to a point and the vet techs come in and they're telling her to trap the dog in a corner open its mouth throw the pills down it uh, she has a cane there's no way she can get the dog in a corner do all this stuff she won't be able to get back off the floor she's looking at me in terror and I'm looking at her and I'm like look there's easier ways to do this there's better ways I will show you when we get home um, the text did not like that I was telling her that there were better alternatives and that I would help her, you know, be able to medicate this pet properly and get the medications in the pet that the vet was literally saying that the dog needed to be on. So we left that vet appointment. Um, it ended up that the vet ended up giving me bad reviews, saying bad things about me. His entire office did. I ended up having to send a cease and desist to them. Um, we got the dog home. I talked to her, showed her different ways on how to medicate the dog. We were able to medicate the dog in an easy fashion. 
it was about midnight. I got a phone call from the client that the dog uh, collapsed and was bleeding out in her lap. And the dog died in her lap. Blood everywhere. It did end up being, um, once we got a uh, narcropsy um, done on the dog, that it was a bleeding tumor. That I ended up being correct, that it was not the condition that the, the, the vet said. They misdiagnosed the dog. And this poor woman, after just losing her husband, lost her dog now in the same way that she lost her husband of needing a blood transfusion, the dog bleeding out, her husband bleeding out. And to be there for her, helping to clean up, get the get the dog handled, you know, schedule, you know, an narcopsy for the dog to find out that the the vet just did not want to listen. And she knew that there was something wrong with her pet. She was in, you know, panic about it because these are some of the same things that she just dealt with, with losing her husband. And the vet had no compassion over what she just went through, losing her husband. And now she's dealing with the vet on saying the same stuff. There was no compassion with that kind of things. So it, it's all about being prepared for situations like this that you, you might have to be a person to step up, to be a voice for the animals, to be a voice for your clients. So let's talk about some of the funny things. I mean, sometimes, I, I mean, I have people saying, oh, Jen, I can't believe what your life is. Like, this is unrealistic. This kind of stuff does not happen. Um, but it does. It does, and it's, it normally always happens to me. So we had a dog um, who we walked. It was, it was again, one of the Weimariners. And somehow I'm walking her. We're having a great walk. Everything's going good. Um, all of a sudden, she dives into a bush on our walk. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, normally, we just walk by these bushes. There's no issues. There's no problems. All of a sudden, she comes out with a flattened, dead squirrel in her mouth, trotting down the damn street like she just got the winning prize of everything, a dead, dried up, disgusting squirrel. So, of course, I can't, I can't hold this to happen. I'm disgusted. I had to get the squirrel out of her mouth and get her to drop it so she's not eating it, chewing on it. That's the kind of things you have to deal with. I had another dog who the owners didn't let me know that apparently earlier in the day that he ended up finding a, a frog, a dead frog in the neighborhood. They didn't let me know that. So I'm walking the dog. All of a sudden, the dog yanks and pulls. And I'm like, what are you doing? Next thing I know, I saw him pick something up. And I'm like, what did you just pick up? Open his mouth. There's the dead freaking frog. So I'm having to yank that out of his mouth, dispose of that. And the owners are just laughing. They're like, oh, yeah, he saw that earlier. He must have remembered where it was. He went to get it. Oh, my gosh, I'm so tired of pulling you know, dead animals out of, you know, dead critters out of pets' mouths. Um, we've walked into a client's house and uh, going to take care of the dogs. And we've noticed sometimes we let them out, you know, on the deck just to chill and relax and get some fresh air um, in between some of the walks. Well, just by chance, when we went to let them out on the deck to get a little, you know, fresh air after our walks, we noticed there's a raccoon. Middle of the day, which isn't unusual for a mother raccoon to be out in the middle of the day. This one just did not look right. 
Um, it did have some foam around its mouth. It, it did not look right. It's go. It's right up at the deck door. These people lived in a condo. This raccoon was just looking crazy. So we ended up having to call the game commission to come out. We couldn't get the dogs out on the deck to, you know, do anything. By the time the game commission showed up, the raccoon had already crawled over the fence and went onto someone else's porch. And they did have to, they did finally find it and have to unfortunately euthanize it. And it, it was a rabid raccoon. So these are different things you have to look at and be unaware of what's happening when you're taking care of some animals. I walked into, I showed up at a client's house. I pulled into their garage um, or I pulled into their driveway right by their garage. And they have a deck on top of the garage and right from the deck goes into the sunroom and they have a lab. Labs are bird dogs. They're, they're, they're energetic. They have some energy. And right when I pulled in, I hear rustling. I, I hear a noise. And all of a sudden from the, from the, deck above the garage I saw a cat run off so I'm thinking to myself I'm like oh my gosh this cat had some babies it must be up here it was feeding the babies it scared it off let me go and see if I have a litter of freaking kittens somewhere that I need to be stressing and worrying about so I go up on the deck before even going in the house to take care of the dog who now the dog is looking through the sunroom which if you know what a sunroom is it's, it's all windows so this is a bird dog. It could go after anything. A dog with enough force, they can break through a window. Um, they can injure themselves. They can injure something else. They just wreck the house. So I walk up on the deck. I'm, I'm looking under the grill cover to see if there's some kittens laying because I just saw a cat run off. And I, I, I don't remember ever seeing, you know, feral cats or stray cats in this neighborhood because I take care of this dog pretty often. Well, upon looking on the deck... All of a sudden, in the corner, I'm hearing flapping. I'm, I'm hearing some rustling. Oh, my gosh. It is a red-tailed hawk injured on the deck, flapping and flopping around. I'm ready to have a heart attack. Its talons are bigger than my fingers. This bird wants me dead. I mean, I can just see it in its eyes. This bird wants me dead. And I'm in a panic because, oh, my gosh, I have a lab in the house. A lab is a bird dog. What if this dog goes through, you know, the glass? What if it comes out trying to get this bird? This this cat must have been harassing the bird, and it ran off because I scared it. This poor bird, this poor hawk is just flapping around. Its wings are open. It's just it's scared as heck. So fortunately, at this particular time, one of my pet sitters did used to work at the zoo and she did work in the birds. Um, so I had to contact her and I had to contact the client she was taking care of that day to tell them she was going to be a little late. And uh, she had to come out and help me catch this bird because I can't also let a bird who's injured let it be. Number one. Number two, I can't leave it for my client to have to deal with when they come home. And what if the dog gets out? What if the what if something happens and the dog gets injured? So I had to call my pet sitter and uh, we were she was able to capture the, the bird. Um, and just by chance, thank God, another client of mine's in the area and she has cats. 
So I was able to contact her to borrow one of her cat carriers to transport this this red tail. I mean, it's not. This isn't like a little parakeet. This isn't like a little cardinal. This is a freaking hawk that wants us dead. This thing's hissing at us. It wants us dead. So we had to go to my other client's house. Uh, get access into her house to borrow one of her cat carriers to transport it to um, the wildlife center. Unfortunately, um, they were not able to save the bird. Uh, they did find that there were multiple uh, brain injuries and fractures. Uh, the bird was extremely dehydrated and they had to euthanize it. Um, but these are things that you kind of, that, that just don't happen, but you need to be prepared for. Um, you need to be prepared that people are always watching you. I had a client who his cat was diagnosed with kidney disease. And uh, it also had an infection. It had to be on medications twice a day. And he just did not feel comfortable. It was originally his daughter's cat. Uh, he did not feel comfortable medicating the cat. The cat also needed fluids. He didn't trust doing it. The vet didn't have time to show him how to do the fluids. So he contacted me. I went out. I'm like, give me the fluids. I know how to do it. I know how to do all this. Most thing is that when you're dealing with a cat with kidney disease, you need to flush out the kidneys. And it helps if they have wet food. So I was there twice a day giving the antibiotics to the cat. I'm giving fluids um, every day, once a day, um, because the cat was that dehydrated. Cat was just refusing to eat. We're trying all different types of food, everything. So me and this guy, we, we would just chit-chat. We would talk. He was there. He was thankful I was coming and helping with everything. And we would just chit-chat. We would, we would just talk. And we joked around because he's, he said to me, you know, oh, you're at my house so much, people are going to think, you know, we're married. And I laughed at him and I said, well, you'd be my third husband because I have my, my regular husband, my, my normal husband that I live with. Um, the guy down the street, I take care of his dog. I help him. I'm like a second wife to him. So I, I joked with the client and I said, you know, I'm like your, you're like my third husband. We would just bullshit. We would talk. We would just say whatever. And um, it ended up that the cat ended up passing. And I was on my way to his house when he contacted me and said he, he just woke up and the cat has passed. So he, he was scared. He didn't want to do anything wrong by the pet. Can I get there? So I, I went, got there, wrapped the cat up. We contacted the vet. I dropped the cat off. We said what our, what our wishes were for the cat to have it cremated. And so I dropped everything off and I, I wasn't going to the house because the cat was no longer there. A week later, I ended up getting a call from his daughter, and she asked me, she's like, are you sitting down? I was like, well, I'm driving. I'm heading to an appointment right now, and she asked me to pull over. Okay, so I pulled my car over, and I said, you know, what's going on? She asked me, she says, do you know where the, the cat cat is and where the remains are? And I said, I can call the vet and find out. She ended up um, showing up at the house because there was – the, the owner was having a meeting at the house and people showed up at the house and nobody was answering the door. So they contacted the daughter. The daughter walked in to find him. Her father passed away. He, he passed away a week later after the cat passed. So apparently um, they had to call the coroners. They had to call the police and all of this. Well, one of the neighbors ended up, the daughter ended up telling me that, <laughs> One of the neighbors came over and was talking to the officers and saying, oh, my gosh, 
There's been some younger woman here. She shows up twice a day. She's here. I think she's having a fair with him. All of a sudden, she stopped coming, and I think she killed him out of jealousy. The daughter's like, oh, my God. She's like, Jen, she was reading off your license plate number. She had the description of your car. She's telling the police, and I'm trying to tell the police that, no, that was the pet sitter. The cat passed away. She was no longer needed. She was here to care for the cat. She goes, but the neighbor was watching me, knew when I was coming, knew that I stopped showing up, and accused me of murdering him, that we had some type of affair going on. So I had to release to the daughter and let her know that, I mean, her dad joked around. He sent me, you know, emails and funny emails during the day. Um, and he always signed them, my third husband, your third husband. So everybody's always watching you. Always be careful of everything you do when you're at clients' houses. Um, everybody knows me. I'm in the neighborhoods um, constantly. I have a lot of clients in some of the same neighborhoods, take care of a lot of pets in some of the same neighborhoods. Everybody knows me. Sometimes I just walk through some neighborhoods doing my princess wave because I'll have people just start honking at me or people will stop and say hi to me and chit chat with me. And, you know, everybody sees me. Everybody knows me. So it's all part of if you're doing a good job and what you're doing, people are going to recognize you. People are going to know you. Everybody seems to know me. Sometimes it's so funny. I'll be in a grocery store, um, which I don't go to often. I usually send my husband. Um, but I'll have people stop me and start talking to me. And I'm looking at them like, who are you? Who's your pet? So I got to try to match the pet with the owner to know who notices me, who recognizes me. Um, so sometimes I kind of say that I, I'm the mayor of some neighborhoods because everybody recognizes me. Everybody knows me. They know where I'm going to be. Um, there's been times when I like to get my eyes on every animal that we deal with. So I have clients who will tell me, like, their cat's going to hide from me. I'm never going to see their cat. Well, I need to make sure the pet's safe. I need to make sure that they're not stuck in weird places. Um, I had a cat once who, there were two cats in the house. One liked to stay upstairs because it didn't like the other one. The other one stayed downstairs. So I would spend a half hour with one cat and go up and spend another half hour with the other cat. So I played with the cat downstairs, went upstairs to find the other cat. It was always in the bedroom. And all of a sudden, I noticed a lump on the bed, and I hear meowing. This cat never meowed. It never, it never talked to me. So I'm like, oh my gosh, it's being pretty active. I go over. I'm printing the lump on the on the on the bed, and I'm talking. This cat's just meow, meow, meow. And I'm like, what on earth is going on? So I start pulling back the comforter. The cat's not there. Well, what's this lump? I ended up finding that there was a hole in the side of the comforter. The cat climbed up into the comforter. And anybody who has a comforter, they have that, like, fishing string, that, like, white clear wire um, kind of thread that holds the comforter together. When the cat crawled up into the comforter, instead of going under the comforter, it went into it. Um, its foot got tangled in this, in this thread. I had to rip apart my client's comforter, pull out stuffing. I had to cut the cat loose. I mean, these are things that you have to realize. Some pet sitters do every other day visits with cats. We require every day because you don't know if they're going to get stuck. This cat was stuck in here. Its leg was wrapped up. Thank God. 
that it, its leg wasn't harmed or loss of circulation or anything like that. But that poor cat was trapped, not able to get to food, not able to get to water. Cats can get themselves in some crazy, crazy places. Um, I have another cat who just doesn't like being around people. There's there's other sibling cats that will come out and play with me. So the owners told me, they said, look, this cat loves to hide under the bed. And what the cat has done is under the box strings, uh, box springs it's ripped open all the all the film on the bottom so what it does is it it rips open the bottom of the box springs and it goes up and lays on the wood on the box springs so uh, pretty much all the fabric on the bottom of all the beds is pretty much gone because this cat's this cat's taking care of it so half of the time when i go and check on this cat i can see his fat butt like kind of up underneath the bed in the box springs and he's laying half of his body is hanging off of this. It's like a hammock for him. He's, he's hanging off of some of this. So the one day I showed up and I'm looking for him and I'm, I'm under the bed and I'm using my flashlight and I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I don't see him. So I go and check the other bedroom. And when I'm in checking the other bedroom, I hear like thump and running. Well, it could be one of the active cats that I just played with downstairs. It could have been one of the other cats, but I'm definitely hearing something. So, okay, I don't see it under the second bed. I go into the third bedroom. I'm checking. All of a sudden, I go into the third bedroom. I'm hearing a thump and I'm, I'm hearing like running or something. I'm, I'm hearing some noise. So I'm like, what in the world? So then I go back to the first bedroom. Look again. Nothing. This darn cat, finally what I had to do, I'm sweating, I'm crawling under beds, I'm looking. Finally what I had to do was start shutting some of the doors to these bedrooms. This darn cat was going, after I checked the one room, it was running to the other one that I didn't check yet. And it was it was beating me. So as soon as I was going into that room, somehow it was sneaking past me running into another room so I couldn't find it. So these cats can be, you know, goofy in so many different ways. Um, and they, they will literally be running all around. Um, sometimes people say to me, like, you know, cat appointments should be my easiest. I'm going to be honest with you. Cat appointments sometimes are my most stressful, um, especially if I have a cat that's hiding. I'm, I'm like a military person. I'm crawling under beds. I'm looking everywhere. I'm pulling furniture out. I'm opening closets. I'm just trying to get my eyes to make sure that they're safe. Um, but I had a cat once who, he had some IBS problems. He was on medications, never had a problem getting the medications. But they ended up having to change one of his medications, which the owners let me know that he was kind of hating. So instead of putting it in his food, I have to, you know, it was a liquid medication. I had to squirt it in him. And they're like, yeah, he's hating it. He's, he's be careful. Sometimes he's spitting it out. Okay, well, if I give it slowly, hopefully he'll swallow it. I'll give him some treats. I'll give him his food afterwards. Not a problem. So first day, it went okay. The cat was not happy with me, but it was okay. Oh, my gosh. The second day I showed up to give him this one med. I had to pick him up. I'm cradling him. I go to give him the medication. He hisses and spits in my face, and then he peed all over me. Peed all over me in disgust that I was giving him a medication that's going to help him get better. Speaking of, you know, a lot of the time we're, we're stepping in dog poop. We're picking up dog poop. I, I smell like dog. I have dog drool on me. I smell like wet dog a lot of the time. I sometimes have poop on me. Who knows? 
but I showed up at a friend of mine's house. She hired me to, you know, pet sit her dogs. And she had, you know, five dogs at the time. Um, and they were, they were big dogs. They were Rotties. And uh, a couple of them weren't fixed. So it was a rotation that had to go on at the house. So I went. Um, we were discussing everything. We were discussing about their feedings, who I rotate with who. And she's bringing the dogs out. They, they've known me. They've seen me out and about because she's a friend of mine. Um <laughs> She brings the dogs out there. They're greeting me. Everything's good. She brings the one dog out, um, a male. And uh, he he was newer to the house. He was part of her original. She did breed one of her dogs. He, he was returned from the litter that she ended up selling. So he was returned. And not a big deal. I mean, I, I deal with Roddy's all the time. So this guy comes out. And he's like, all excited to see me. I'm giving him some treats. He's sniffing me. All of a sudden, he sniffs me, and he lifts his leg and pees all over me, claiming me for his own. My friend was, like, mortified. She's like, oh, my God. He just peed. And this this was a Roddy. This isn't like a little Chihuahua pee that there's a couple of drops. This was, it soaked through my pants, all down my shoe, everything. He kind of marked me. And... The, the funniest situation was she contacted me um, after I was done taking care of the pets and because the dog liked me so much. As far as I know, I'm still in her will to get that dog in case something does happen to her um, at any time because he loves me so much. And he peed on me like I'm a like I'm a freaking tree. So you never know what you're going to you know deal with when you're dealing with situations with animals. Um. I've dealt with outside cats. Um, we have some clients who we we let them know that we can't be responsible if the pets are left outside. Um, sometimes they're just feeding, you know, feral colonies. Um, uh, but I had a client who the cat had access to inside and outside of the house. The cat liked to go outside. I mean, if you called him, he came. Great cat. Love him to death. Um, anytime you called him, anytime he heard my car, he would come running. I mean, it was so funny because sometimes I'd pull up her driveway. He would lay in the middle of the driveway and I'd have to open up my car door. He would jump in my car door so I could finish getting up the driveway and drive him up to the top of the driveway. So he was a goofy, goofy damn cat. Um, but he had access to inside and outside of the house. And it was a couple of winters ago. I'm taking care of him. And because it was getting cold and we just didn't trust when it got too cold for him that we would call him, you know, at nighttime, he would come in, we'd have to block his cat door so that he didn't get, didn't get out at night. Locking the cat door didn't work for him. He found a way to get through the lock on the cat door. So we'd have to block the cat door so that he didn't get out in the frigid temperatures at night and be stupid and something happened to him. So he did not like that. He did not like that we had a couple of cold days. He was trapped inside the house. Even though he, he had litter boxes in there, I fed him food. He wasn't able to have full roam of the house because he just did not get along with the other cats in the house. Um, so I blocked off the door. Temperatures warmed up a little bit. I was able to unblock the door, and I released him in the morning. I said, go out, go go see your friends, go check out everything. He, he chilled in the yard. I came out with the dog. Him and the dog played. Everything was fine and dandy. So I come back that night to give him his evening dinner, and I called him to get him into the house. And so I'm in the house. I blocked off the, the cat door so that he was stuck in for the night because it was supposed to be cold again that night. And next thing I know, I'm giving him his cat food, 
and I'm hearing a noise in the house. So I'm like, what the, what on earth, what am I hearing? And next thing I know, a freaking bird comes swooping down, dive bombing me. Dive bombing me while I'm giving the cat and putting cat food out. This bird, this freaking cat who is used to leaving me presents. I mean, he loved me so much. He would go and I've gotten chipmunks. I've gotten birds. I've gotten mice. I've gotten, you know, little moles. He always leaves me a present. And when he leaves me a present at the back door, he'll roll around, buy it, let me know. He'd purr, meow, let me know. He was so dissatisfied that I've locked him up because of the cold temperatures. He decided to bring a live bird into the damn house. This bird's dive bombing me. I'm scared. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, he's going to kill this bird in his area in the basement. He's going to kill it. I, my clients are going to come home to find a dead bird carcass, something smelling in the house. It's in their laundry. Uh, I mean, what if it poops all over their clothes that are hanging here to dry? I'm freaking out. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this cat is a killer. He's going to kill this freaking bird. So I'm freaking out. I, I'm How am I going to catch this bird? How am I going to catch this bird? So just by chance, the husband is a fisherman. I was able to get one of his fishing nets. And I'm swiping, trying to get the, this damn bird. I could not catch it for the life of me. My, I called my husband. I asked him to come and help, but he's highly allergic to cats, so he couldn't. So he's on the phone with me, trying to calm me down. I'm trying to catch this bird who literally keeps dive bombing me. Like, this bird wants me dead. And I'm thinking to myself, Tweety, Tweety, you're going to die overnight if you don't get out of this house. So I had to end up giving up. And by chance, the next morning, it was warm enough. I was able to open up the door. The cat went out, and I was able to shoot the bird out of the house. Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> but you never know what's going to happen. Um, this same house, um, I did overnights there with the dog, and uh, they had, you know, four cats inside and the one inside-outside cat. Um, the one day I showed up there, and the cats all seemed to be in one specific room which is very strange because they're normally not always in one room together. So I'm like, oh, my God, they're plotting my death. They're going to kill me in my sleep when I'm sleeping in this house. Like, they're plotting something against me. So I showed up later for another visit. Same thing. They were all in the same room, which is just unusual for these cats. Normally, I find them all in their own different, like, kind of spaces, areas, sleeping, doing what they have to do. So, you know, let my owner know. I was like, yeah, it's just real strange. They're all together in the same room. I don't know what's going on. So we kind of wrote it off. So I'm sitting there at the house. Um, I'm chilling with the dog. I'm in, you know, their TV room. We're watching, me and the dog's watching TV. The dog's chewing on, you know, a toy. I'm watching TV. The cats are in and out. All of a sudden, I see one of the cats come running into the room. I'm like, okay, what's, what's happening? What's the cat doing? Oh, my gosh. There was a freaking mouse in the room. So I jump up on the reclining chair that I'm sitting in. I'm screaming. The cat's chasing the mouse. So all of a sudden, two more cats come flying in. They start chasing this mouse. The dog noticed it. Oh, my gosh. If they would have had cameras in this house, if anybody would have seen how hilarious this situation was. Because I can't sleep in this house now because I have a mouse running around. What if it crawls into my mouth when I'm sleeping? Who knows what it's going to do? I, I, I have no clue. So the cats are chasing. And what, what was happening was they knew the mouse was there. It came in um, apparently through the fireplace. Um, and the cats were playing with it all day. 
So I have Killer Cat, who's inside outside cat, but I can't get him into the main part of the house because he would have killed it. He would have taken care of it. We, we wouldn't have had a problem here. But I now have four cats in the house who've been playing with this, like this mouse that it's a freaking toy. So that's why they were all in the same room. They're playing with this mouse. All of a sudden, this mouse comes through. The dog notices I have now two cats. So the mouse goes running out of the room, starts running down the steps into like the main floor of the house. So here's me. <laughs> there's two cats. The other two cats come following. So there's four cats. The dog's now chasing it. And then me behind. So I have four cats, a dog, and myself running down the stairs, chasing after this damn mouse. Finally, the mouse got got trapped under like their credenza in the dining room. So I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? I can't kill an animal. I can't. I can't do this. Like, what am I? What am I gonna do? So I go and grab the dog's water dish. I empty it out, and I'm like, okay, if I can, if I can get it out, I can put the dish over it, trap it, figure out how to throw it back outside. So we're waiting for this mouse to like peek out. I have, we're under the condensa. I have a dog and four cats all looking under condensa as well as myself, looking under the condensa, waiting for this mouse. So finally, the mouse did pop its head out. The dog bumped it with its paw, bumped. It went like sh in shock for a quick second. I was able to throw the bowl over it, go and get some mail and a magazine that came in the mail, scoop the mouse up and throw it back outside. But, yeah, I mean, if you would have seen, like, it was, like, some Tom and Jerry stuff. Like, four cats, a dog, myself, running through this house trying to catch this mouse. Because I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight because there's a mouse loose in the house. Um, but we've had birds now. I, I get dead animals dropped off to me. Um, and then another time, I had a client who, they had a fenced-in yard. And this is why I automatically check all fencing going on with any of my clients. Clients told me as long as you're outside, dog, dogs are good. Um, and I'm not, there's no reason. You're hiring me to take care of your pets. There's no reason for me to be inside doing anything. I need to be outside with your dogs if your dogs are outside. So fence in yard, not a problem. And it was one of those like wired fence yards. So me and the dogs are out there playing. All of a sudden, somebody was walking their dog. And my dog decided to smash its head against the fence, bending it, and was able to slide under the fence, went running after this dog. The neighbor was just by chance doing their dishes, and looking out their window, they have access to the yard I was in, and the neighbor contacted me afterwards, and they were like, I don't know how you did it. A second that dog got out, I flew over the fence. She's like, you didn't even jump the fence. She's like, you like had wings. You flew over the, I flew over the fence. When I flew over the fence to run after the dog, and I'm calling it, it came back to me. We had no incident with that. I got the dog back. Um, the dog did have a scraped up face um, because it went under the wire fence. Ripped my pants, ripped, ripped the crotch of my pants because I just jumped the fence. Um, it, it was just a, a crazy disaster. So lesson learned there to make sure that any wired fences are into the ground or that I have dogs on leashes out there. My client's like, no, no. If you're out there in the yard, dogs will stay there, which they were until all of a sudden this dog came came walking by. This dog just hit the fence, dipped right underneath it. I'm over the fence, running after it. These are things that you have to know that could happen and watch out for. Being a professional pet care specialist, you're sometimes a go-to person for your clients. My clients know that I, I deal with a lot. 
I deal with plenty of different clients, plenty of different medical issues. I deal with plenty of different vets. So I'm, I'm automatically sometimes their go-to person because they know me, they trust me, they understand me. So I've had clients contact me that their puppy ate a thong. The, the puppy ate their thong. What, what can they do? So I have them, you know, contact poison control to see if they can, you know, work on getting the dog to vomit. It didn't. I had to send them to the emergency vet to see. And I'll be darned, uh, the dog did swallow the thong. Um, they sent me pictures of it, uh, brought it home as a souvenir because, and this was a phone call that I got about one o'clock at night. One o'clock at night that they were freaking out that they thought that the dog ate a thong because she was folding laundry and she thought she washed one of her thongs and couldn't find it. And I'll be damned, the dog the dog swallowed it. Um, I've had clients who, uh, one of my other podcasts was talking about over-vaccinations. I had a client who contacted me that the dog was fine. It just recently got vaccinations. The dog was perfectly, you know, fine. Um, they work from home, and the husband went out to go golfing. Dog was fine. He came home four hours later after going golfing. The dog was shaking in the corner. And just squealing in pain, could not move. They rushed it out to their vet. Their vet sent them to the specialist, which is PVSCC. They're thinking the dog has meningitis. They're saying the dog is paralyzed, which the dog could not move in its entire rear end. Uh, my client contacted me, and the doctors were suggesting euthanasia for the dog because it was a younger dog. It was only three years old. Um, they were thinking this dog wasn't going to have quality of life, not having use of its back legs. So she consulted with me and I, I talked to her and I said, look, what vaccinations? I swear this is an over vaccination. And just by chance, the dog just recently got its rabies. And one of the biggest side effects of rabies is paralyzation. And she started working on rehab with the dog. Um, the vet fought her that it wasn't the rabies, it wasn't the vaccination, it ended up being the vaccination. Here we are two years later, that dog's running, playing, perfectly fine, no problem. But that dog can never be vaccinated again. And it was a scary, scary situation. And I just thank God that my clients had, you know, enough sense to call me and say, hey, have you heard of anything like this? Are there any other alternatives, anything else we can do. And, and I helped save that dog. Um, another client of mine, I was taking care of her pets, her cats. And uh, I, I was there for over a week taking care of the cats, everything. Everything was fine. I was sending pictures. The cats were doing great. She no sooner came home and uh, a day later she contacted me and was asking me because one of her cats was now acting paralyzed. It was scooting its back end. It could not do its, it. It could not move its back hind legs. It's scooting. It's crying in pain. And uh, I said to her, I said, no, the cat was fine when I was there. It was playing. I have pictures of it. It was chasing the feather. It was chasing the light. Everything was great with the cat. And I mentioned to her and I said, did it get vaccinated within the last 30 days? She says, yes, it ended up getting a rabies. Well, this cat also deals with allergy problems, which is an immune compromising issue. The cat should have never been given a rabies shot. Um, it was. And when she contacted the vet, the vet said, no, you know, side effects from, you know, rabies will show up within a couple of days. It can take up to 30 days. And I explained that to the client. And I said, you know, we need to get this checked out. I really think that it's the rabies that's causing it. Her vet ended up sending her to a neurologist, couldn't find anything wrong spent thousands and thousands of dollars for finally the vet listened and contacted the rabies 
manufacturer, and they definitely said it's a side effect of their rabies. They paid for all the tests. We ended up giving antibiotics to flush out the system, and that cat is now, again, fine walking. So thank goodness, you know, sometimes people will look to me because I've dealt with these type of situations. Um, I've had people contact me because their dog has eaten chocolate. I have a client. Um, I, I want to start a whole game as to what is this dog going to eat today? Um, I see this dog, you know, three days a week. And every time, I mean, he's gotten into chocolate. He's eaten drywall. He's anything you can think of. He's gotten in the garbage. He's eaten human cookies and for them to contact me to know, is, is this bad? Do I need to do something? Am I just dealing with diarrhea? Is this something I can be concerned about? I can lead them in the way of what's going on. Um, this particular dog just recently, um, painters are at the house. Oh, he, he thought that was fun. He wanted to be Picasso. Um, he ended up trampling through the paint on the, on the plates that they were trying to use, then grabbed the plate, ran through the house, and you know, sprayed paint all over the place and got paint all over him. So <laughs> there's all kinds of things that you need to be aware of and things that you might have to handle and deal with with being a professional pet care specialist. Um, nothing surprises me almost anymore, but it's always an adventure. And I laugh when people say, oh, your job must be so much fun. My job is fun. I love what I do. I love the animals I take care of. But sometimes it can be a little crazy. It can be a little hectic. And you're dealing with a lot of situations. So if you don't have the stomach to deal with some of the things that you might have to or you're not prepared, this isn't the kind of profession you need to be in. So these are just some of the stories that we've dealt with. Um, I've dealt with as being a professional pet care specialist. And that's kind of what the life of a, of a pet sitter is. Um, never a dull moment. <laughs> never a dull moment. Um, we're always on the go. We're always doing something. We're always dealing with some crazy stories. And everybody thinks that all this stuff just happens to me. But I know it's happened to, you know, other people. And I hope I can give you comfort with some of the stories. And I hope you enjoyed hearing some of the days in the life of, of me. So I hope you enjoy and tune in next time. Thanks.